Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from, put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry, be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Tonight we have a very special guest, a returning guest, good friend of ours. We knew this gentleman in high school, we've known him for years. One of the coolest cats we know, fucking Josh Halterman. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, guys. I believe this is my third visit with you, and it's always a huge pleasure. Oh, yeah. Um, I also want to just say, too, since we're going to be doing The Mist today, I think it's fitting to kind of start your podcast off with a little, something in The Mist took Corey and Brent! for God's sake! Oh my God! It's one of the most memorable lines of that movie, like, just such a great way to start it off, so I just had to get that in there. Oh yeah. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Why do I say we? I'm good. I don't know about Corey. No, I'm good. I had, a, I had a, let's see, we, this weekend we drove down, we spent the weekend in Columbus with my wife's family, uh, just to kind of visit them over the summer. We spent a lot of time at the pool, uh, in the, in the hot, hot sun, which kind of saps your energy. Um, so I had a long weekend. We drove back. We got back late last night to find out that our, our chicken coop, the metal pin we have over our chicken coop had collapsed under the weight of the water in the rain. The tarp had collected it. Uh, especially in like one section. So I had to work today and then we also had to like try and plug that up. And then I had a skin tab on my nose that kept like, kept like tearing and bleeding all over the place and I got sick of it. So I just cut it off. And, uh, I don't think you're supposed to do that, dude. Fuck. It's still a, still a rich full day from the sound of it. So, but yeah, but it's good. It's great. I'm glad to be talking to you guys about 2007's The Mist. Fuck, dude. You get a farm and then suddenly you're doing like old timey medicine on yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had to let it bleed to, to get rid of the bad humors, you know? Oh, of course. Yeah. Tomorrow's, you want to put some leeches on that just to make sure you get the rest yeah. of it. No, because there... the fucking omen, the omen of the chicken coop collapsing, man, you just know that's causing skin tags. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but there was one point where it was like blood was dripping from my nose onto the, the bathroom floor. And I was trying to like, I would, I was wiping the blood off the floor, but then before I could get a tissue back onto my nose, more would drip onto the floor. So it was like, it was dripping onto the floor faster than I could clean it. And I was like, no, <laughs> 
I feel like this is the second time this has happened when you guys had me on. Like, I, I got to go back and listen to the other shows, but I feel like in the last one, Brent had some issue with his nose bleeding a bunch. Like, <laughs> I mean, what is going on here, guys? Like, it's, it's, I'm worried that the next time we do one of these, I'm going to be in for it, some badness. It's going to be you when when we bring you back for Big Trouble in Little China. You're gonna you'll you'll, you'll show up with a broken nose. <laughs> Uh, it's right. but what have you been up to man how's uh, how's michigan treating you oh michigan's good man i've been uh you know enjoying the summer for the most part hanging out with my kid like we went and hit the beach today you know which was nice and uh actually getting back into uh teaching pretty soon which i'm looking forward to and uh yeah just enjoying things still watching lots of movies going to the movies a lot you know saw the new thor movie of course i'm sure you guys both saw that probably yeah uh, i saw oh you had a chance to Corey, you did right yeah yeah of course you did yeah Okay. Um, and then, yeah, you know, just, uh, yeah, same old, same old for the most part. Yeah, nice. Would you, would you think of uh, Thor Love and Thunder? You know, I enjoyed it. You know, I think it's, it's like I said, I think we might have talked about this in one of our other times chatting, but, you know, uh, I feel like Marvel for this, this last phase, phase four, I think it was, they, they really do like the demographic movies and shows that are each for like a target audience. You know, like I'm kind of watching Miss Marvel now that they're all out now and it's a pretty cool show. I like the aesthetic and the way it's put together, but it's clearly like meant for teens, you know? Yeah. So I, I feel like each one of them, you know, like the Eternals was really meant for like kind of an older audience that, you know, maybe is even older than me, like my parents kind of thing. So each one is, I feel like a different demographic. And I liked Thor Love and Thunder because I feel like it speaks to the, late 30s 40 something coming out of a midlife crisis single dad like mostly it was a comedy you know and again yeah. like i knew what to expect like because i love tico atini um i i you know people were like oh it's not ragnarok and i'm like yeah it's not it's a different movie right. you know but i mean I, I think ragnarok's a better movie between the two but i love lauren the love and thunder because i like that director and i think his work is great so you yeah know, i always recommend his stuff <laughs> i have that's that's exactly how i felt about it i really enjoyed it Maybe not as good as, as Ragnarok, but yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, there's just certain parts of it that were so funny. And the weapons are such a big part of the movie in like such a way that I didn't expect, you know, stuff like that was great. Yeah. So I mean it was a good movie. You know, there's there's uh there's a lot of good stuff coming out soon. I'm I'm really excited to see Nope this week. I haven't had a chance to yet, but I'm really yeah. looking forward to checking that out here in the next couple of days, you know. Because as as you guys probably remember, I go to the movie theater like a couple times a week, so you know. Yeah. I like referenced you before to other people. I'm like, yeah, dude, no, my friend Josh, man, he like goes to every fucking movie. <laughs> I mean, it's like if we went through the list, it's like you know, I've seen Elvis, and I went to see uh, you know the Lightyear movie with my kid, and you know, thankfully I'm teaching him well enough because you know, like I'll look at movies, I'm like, do you want to see that you know Minions movie? He's like, that doesn't look good. I'm like, oh man, you have good taste, all right. <laughs> no, like that doesn't look like a real movie. I'm like, it's probably not. No. <laughs> yeah, appar- apparently, maybe my kids have shit taste because we did go to see that movie, but we. Was it any good? I mean, you know, it's like it's one of those things. I mean, Steve Carell, I saw in a hilarious interview where he was just like, I don't know why people like this shit, but you know, people love it, so whatever. <laughs> it was like, it makes tons of money, so what can I say? You know, it was it was about what you'd expect it would be. I mean, it was as good as any other. Uh, movie like that but it's like it's like 70 minutes long it's like it gets in there does its thing and then then it's out it's out you know it's not gonna it's not gonna keep you there longer than it needs to (laughs) but but i did see apparently there was i heard this was like a tiktok trend where people like like dudes were dressing up in suits and gentlemen 
minions. Gentle minions. Yeah, you heard about this trend? <laughs> Dude, familiar. I didn't I didn't see any of the bad behavior. It was it was actually like we went to a packed house because it was like opening weekend because we were hanging out. We had nothing to do that night. Oh, you know, we might have been celebrating my birthday that night. And like we went out, we went to dinner, like just kind of. And my daughter was like, we should all go see Minions. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. Uh, So we all went to see Minions. It was a packed house. But the entire like front couple rows were all of these like high school dudes in suits. And they weren't too rowdy. They weren't destructive. What was great was like fucking Gru shows up. And they're like, they're cheering, they're applauding, they're really, and dude, it heightened the experience. It was such a better experience because these kids were like, they were just hyped about fucking everything. It was, it was great. You know, there is something to be said for that. And that's kind of one of the big things about going to a movie theater. And I, you know, I didn't actually read anything about people causing any real trouble. It's just that movie theater managers thought it was disruptive or weird because they would sell all the tickets at once or they didn't like getting flash mob, but whatever, like right. fuck them. You know, part of the yeah, fun is going to like a big one thing. time a kid threw some stuff and I think there was one news story of that. Yeah. Or yeah. They like left a mess yeah. or what? Like, yeah. Did but you that... guys work in a movie theater? I did. I, like, did, I, I absolutely mean, did. Throw shit all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's like part of going to a movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I said my first job was Showplace East. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I worked there for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's cool. And I but I knew enough. I was like, why are all these fucking high school kids? I was like, <laughs> why are all these like 18-year-old boys watching this movie dressed up in suit and tie? Like what is going on? Right. Yeah, it was just one of those random things that people just got going on. Yeah, no, I'm too old to understand TikTok really, but you know, these things just sort of happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody started it you know it's like the whole thing where they were talking about what was what was the one people were joking about on reddit or something with area 51 and having a bunch of joshes like rush it or something like I no style i can't even remember it was just something dumb that eventually cascades you know like snakes on a plane style yeah. into like a whole yeah. full thing yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun though. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds fun. I mean, honestly, like I, you know, it's like I, we we were talking about the Doctor Strange movie, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, like how when you have a whole packed theater full of people who are real into it, they start doing stuff like killing people. You're, <laughs> people are like, oh shit! <laughs> it makes the movie so much more fun. You know, people are crowding and screaming. When I went to see A Quiet Place too, like right after theaters opened up. Um, there was like a more people there than I'd ever seen at a show before that. And you know, that movie is so atmospheric and so like yeah. about tension that it was like the first time in years I'd been to a movie where, you know, you could feel people being like real scared, you know, which was cool. You know, that's a great thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, both of those movies. My kids really love those movies. Those are great movies because they're like, I think they're pretty kid friendly. Like they're, they're actually scary. There's a, there's like an extremely tense atmosphere. But it's not it's not like super grotesque or gory or anything, you know. Well, and you know, and, and this might be a good segue for the mist in some ways, like because that is what we're kind of here to talk about today. But uh, you know, I think really good horror movies, like they try to play off more sometimes than just visually grotesque stuff. Like fear is one of those things that has a lot of elements to it. And while the mist, I mean, one of the things I I really love about this movie is that it kind of hits all these great beats for me in terms of there's some digital stuff in the place where it needs to be. There's some like big rubber flopping tentacles, you know, that make it like one of the more Cthulhu-esque movies like kind of out there. Um, 
And then there's also those moments where it's just fog and people like getting at each other and being like, what is that bitch talking about over there? Like, I don't like the way she's looking at me. Like, you know, and all of those things are different kind of types of fear, you know, or they elicit different types of fear from the audience. And so I think that's one of the things that's nice about this movie is that like, you can put it in front of a lot of people and everybody's going to have something where they're like, oh God, what is this? I, no, I don't like this at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, dude, and I was so excited when you mentioned this movie because I, because like, this is one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. This is one of my favorite love, love, Lovecraft type movies. And like, this is one of my favorite movies in general. Just like, I really, I really like this movie. And, uh, and, and my 13 year old daughter, who's, you know, my, my child, who's like most into this kind of stuff, she watched it with me and she was like, she was like, yeah, that was fucking good. She was like, she, I spent, <laughs> it's hard not to like this movie. What's that? I said, it's hard not to like this movie. And it's got kind of a real angsty, like middle schooler ending where it's like, fuck you. How about we do all the bad stuff like that you don't want to see, you know, which is kind of funny too. I mean, and we can talk about that a little bit more later, but um, yeah, on that Stephen King note, man, like, and this is this is probably kind of a kind of an unpopular, you know, hot opinion here, hot take, but um, my top three Stephen King adaptations, and you know, it's tough because like The Shining is an incredible movie, <laughs> but Stephen King does not like it. No, <laughs> because it's really not like the book, and this is well known by a lot of people. Stanley Kubrick is an incredible director, and like some of my all-time favorite movies, like by far some of the greatest masterpieces of film he made. But The Shining, you know, The Shining's a great movie that really is not indicative of Stephen King's work. And right. did, you guys, did you guys see the miniseries, the show that he did, like, many years later? No, I haven't seen that, no. Which, so he did, yeah. he did a follow-up. It was like a four-part thing. I want to say, I, I, I'd have to look it up for the details, but it was on, like, ABC yeah, or NBC. I think, I think Mick Garrish directed it. I think, the sa- I think it was the same guy who did the Stand miniseries. And I believe so. He's adapted some other Stephen King stuff, yeah. And, and you know, I watched that, and, you know, it, it's not wildly different, but there are some pretty big changes in it because, like, Stephen King's big takeaway that he didn't like was – that Jack, the central character, is not supposed to be a villain. Like, the mansion's the villain, and the haunting is the villain. Yeah. The family is wholesome. But in Kubrick's portrayal, like, Jack's kind of a horrible, abusive drunk. Like, there's suggestions of... I mean, have you guys done it on Headcast? Did you do Shining? We have, yeah, we have done the Shining. I thought you did. Like, yeah. I felt like I listened to it, but there's, like, all the... You know, you guys went through all the stuff, all the stuff that's potentially abuse or child molestation, all these other things, and King was like, none of that was supposed to be in my movie. Like, that wasn't in my book. So for me, like, number one is probably The Mist. Number two, which is kind of like a far out of nowhere one, but I still love it, is Thinner. Because it's that one's a straight <laughs> comedy. Oh, wow. Comedy. I was not expecting that. That's hilarious. Thinner, Thinner makes me laugh so hard, so often. Dude, there's a cursed pie in that movie. It's so good. I mean, <laughs> Thinner. <laughs> It's just 90s fat shaming, like, from start to finish. Yeah. Like, it's just so awful, and yet I just love it so much. With, because well, it has that Stephen King thing in it that I've always disliked, where in the midst of something real tense, you know, and you see this in, like, It and stuff a lot, there's always got to be some really awful, like, racism mixed with something strange like mutilation and... Or something like that. I'm always just like, Ugh. like I get that you want that there to rub me the wrong way, but it does in a way that I don't like because I feel like Sting- Stephen King is into that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not cool for me to say. But you know, first I go miss, 
then I go thinner. And then, you know, I do like, you know, the old, uh, you know, uh, t- 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 Tim Curry, like it, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things I remember as a kid watching it, like on like a VHS tape, just being like, I don't like clowns all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, di- I didn't know that I had a clown phobia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got lots of other good stuff and there's been some good adaptations here and there that are kind of weird, but you know, like it's, well, no, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take it off the bottom actually and replace it with maximum overdrive because that one is also insane <laughs> and a movie that like, if it weren't for cocaine, never would have been made. Yeah. So. <laughs> Directed by King. <laughs> Do- well, no, I mean, and he's actually been on record as saying he was doing such a large amount of cocaine while directing that that he doesn't remember the filming that movie. Yeah. Well, have you... Like, he doesn't actually remember. I, we, I don't know if we've talked... We've talked about it on the show, but I don't know if I've mentioned it to you, Josh. There's a script. It was, like, on the Hollywood blacklist called Maximum King. Have you heard of this? No. no. Dude, it was written by Shay Hatton, who he's gone on to, like, write other stuff. Um I forget what he was, and it, it doesn't matter. But anyway, Shea Hatton wrote this movie called Maximum King, and it's about Stephen King filming Maximum Overdrive. And it starts, like, it starts out, like, opening, it's like, you know, the scene opens. There's a huge line of cocaine on the table. The longest line you've ever seen. Snort! <laughs> and then it, like, cut to a middle-aged man, like, and then it's like, it's just Stephen King bursting into his agent's office, like, like, Hey Barry, I got this fucking, I got this idea for a book. And he's like, okay, all right, Steve. Uh, okay, that's good. We, we got an offer from a movie studio. They want you direct to direct a movie. So I want you to take some time, think about it. And Stephen King's like, oh, what? I'm, yeah, we'll do it. Let's sign me up. Let's go. And then he like, pe- he like drives off in his car and the agent's like, wait, you forgot to sign the thing. And he like, sir. But anyway, the whole, like, the, the, yeah, the whole script is just Stephen King coked out of his mind, making this movie, hallucinating that his, his characters are talking to him. So he'll like, yeah. he'll be driving in this like Coke induced frenzy and look over and like the gunslingers in his passenger seat. Like, that sounds fantastic. yeah, it's, it's a fun script. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know. And, uh, and uh, The Mist does some funny stuff, too, where, like, it, I, th- I feel like this was when I first heard about how all of Stephen King's worlds were kind of interconnected. Yeah. And in the beginning of this movie, he's painting, and there's a, several of the paintings, or, like, he's doing one of the Gunslinger, isn't he? Yeah. The pa- I haven't actually read that series, but I've heard about it. Yeah, I've, I've, I really like this series, just because I'm a big fan of Stephen King. I've read the series, and it's, yeah, the painting that he's painting is the gunslinger and it has like the rose and like all this iconography that that goes with the dark tower series yeah yeah i mean some of those though are not stephen king's which i thought was weird like because i kind of pause that scene and there's one from like the thing which is not a stephen king story nor is it a stephen king movie yeah i I think he's just supposed to be an artist for like movies in general yeah but i think the guy who actually painted i might be mistaken but I, i think i saw somewhere that the guy who painted the painting that he's painting of the gunslinger is the same guy who did the painting uh, for the thing. So I think maybe mm. that's why they included it. Cause it's like the, the oh, real, that's kinda cool. the real artist is the same guy. I think. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. But, and I actually, I haven't read the mist. I've read a lot of King, but I have not read the mist novella. Um, well, this is the thing. It's from like 1979 or 1980, isn't it? It's a really old it's, one. It's older. Yeah. Something like that. 
And I and I read I read this really cool backstory where like um the director of this who also is the director of Shawshank Redemption and he's done a, I mean he's done and, a number of other and movies the, the Green Mile too is another oh, the Green Mile also, another yeah, King adaptation right. yeah so I guess in like around like 1983 1984 he acquired the rights to both Shawshank and to The Mist and. The Mist was like this project that he wanted to do as his like first movie. It was like the thing he wanted to do more than anything. Yeah. And so he had the rights to these and he did some other projects and was trying to get money together for it. And then it didn't really specify in what I was reading why he went with the Shawshank instead. I think it was a much better choice. Honestly. Yeah. It worked <laughs> out for him, career. I think. Yeah. Yeah, to be a filmmaker and launch a career, you know, so yeah. probably a much safer bet. Um, but he, when he, when he did the Shawshank Redemption, you know, there was this part of the story I was reading where it said when he did it and it started becoming, you know, popular and people really liked it. He was like, yes, now I can make the mist finally. Like, and so this was like, he was building towards this for like a huge part of his career. He like really wanted this. And the thing that Stephen King loves most about this movie is that in the original novella, it sort of ends with the group escaping the grocery store and going out to the car and driving off. And that's just kind of where it stops. Okay. I don't know. Brent, Brent, have you read this? No, but I, I read, so, I read about this and that, yes, someone, people who have read the book said it's very underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. It just sort of just, it just kind of ends, you know, it, yeah. but that is pretty Lovecraftian in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of Lovecraft stories are like, he opened the door and then a horror I can't describe appeared and then the story's over and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> you can't describe it? Like, that's yeah. kind of a letdown. But I heard also it, in the book the behemoth, the largest of the monsters at the end, in the book you only see its leg. Well, yeah. And, and, so, leg. and so, like, from that point on, like, the shooting and all the other stuff, like, that's not in the story. Like, that was yeah. all added by the director. And that was the part that Stephen King was like, Yes. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I love it. And he said, he was like, it's very anti-Hollywood. It's exactly like what nobody expects a movie to do at the end of a movie. Yeah. You know, he was like, I love it. Like, And so it's one of the most well-known movies that's an adaptation of Stephen King's where he just absolutely loves it. Yeah. And it's like, I love everything about this movie. <laughs> well, and that's, and it was like a missed opportunity on Kubrick's behalf, right? It's just like... <laughs> right. When, <laughs> if they don't make it out, Jack just like... <laughs> yeah you should have had jack just fucking plug the family that's <laughs> yeah. were you guys did you guys i don't know we can we can um start from the ending work our way back but the ending i found myself like when he was like counting the bullets and there's like four I, couldn't help, I, I was like, I, I can think of what to do. I kept thinking of like what they could do to kill themselves. It's not that. I was like, they could get out of the car. The two old people, the two old people could stack their heads on top of each other. That's what I, I thought. That's what I'm saying, man. I mean, this is like a. I mean, this is a large caliber revolver. I mean, <laughs> he's holding four bullets that fill his entire palm. Right. Or, <laughs> or you... like these bullets will take care of whatever you shoot with them. Now, granted. The kid wakes up, he gets one of them. Okay. Right, yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, now he's traumatized the dad. Can't someone take it from the dad and take care of dad? I mean, come on. Like, he just shot his own son. <laughs> yeah, terrible. or, or what, hear me out here. Take a tube, pop it in the tailpipe, put it in the window, just let the car run, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what? That's got to be one of the... 
like most gentle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they ran out of gas. They were. Right. You know, they should have. They should have stopped shortly before they ran out of gas. They should have given up earlier. They should have. They should have quit earlier and just slid. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Peacefully. And I don't even think everyone was on board. Like, if you think about that sequence where he's like, where they run out of gas and he's counting well, the bullets. They all, like, they all the, old guy, the old guy kind of gives like a nod. Yeah. Like, a half a nod. It's like, cut he's like, out to exterior shot of the car. Yeah. Well, the boy woke up. I mean, that accelerated the decision, you know. He That's was true. on the fence. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Speaking of that, as a, as a father. totally like i i was with him every step of the way i was like no i've got my son here sorry lady i can't i'm not going with you and then dude dude the end of that movie hit me so hard the first time i watched it because it was like it's such a gut punch and like all jokes aside you're like because well then there's that scene in the grocery store where his son makes him promise that he won't let the monsters get him you know and like and and uh, you know all, all things considered that like boom done I mean, that is a much gentler way to go than, like, getting ripped away. Like, trying to think about that, like, if you were, like, in some real situation where that w- those were your choices. Oh, like, I mean, absolutely. Like, that's, that's, like a, that's like a third of what, you know, The Road, you know, Cormac McCartney's, like, yeah. The Road is about, is about him constantly contemplating whether he wants to just finish it off, like, easily because he's got the one bullet or whatever. I read that uh, book this summer. Oh, really? Oh, he did. Yeah, I was going to mention that, Josh, when you were talking about these kinds of movies, and, and that's exactly right. When he's when, when, in the road, when when the the cannibals are about to get them, and he just has a he has the pistol to his son's head, 
which I don't think was in the book, but that's that was so crazy. You know, he was like yeah. ready to end it, you know, so that they wouldn't get him. But but it's also that whole that whole back and forth tension of like this is also my kid and I'm gonna protect them as long as I can and like so I'm not gonna do it unless they're already biting me or whatever like <laughs> right. not until the last second like I'm not gonna do it in the car when I'm perfectly safe like I'm not even starving yet you know it's like <laughs> let's give it a day or two let's play some rock paper scissors I mean their car runs out and they're like well better go ahead. Let's right. talk about the old days for a little while. Yeah. I, I get, I get that the behemoth walking by rattles you a little bit. You know, you see yeah. that, and you're like, <laughs> it's not well, that's good. that's like that's a and and man, that really this movie may have the best example of like truly Lovecraftian monsters, oh, where it's it just really like does. there's like well, next to like maybe Pacific Rim, but again. Yeah. Yeah, I think this one even more so because of the tentacles and like just the weird bat creatures flying amongst the creature because it's so big. Yeah. You know, I love how you see clouds and like birds amongst the thing and you're yeah. just like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's too big for words. Like, yeah, that's the thing. I yeah, wonder the... how big was like the fabric of time that the army ripped open. Yeah. Um, like, I guess I assumed it was slowly getting bigger maybe until that close. Like, I just yeah. pictured this world where like, all the monsters are just like shoulder to shoulder with each other, you know, just like eating each other and like fucking in the back, creating more monsters and just like, <laughs> like filling up and they just spill out of this hole that we created. Well, well is- you never know, man. I mean, that's the whole thing about dimensions. You know, if it's some weird Cronenberg esque like flesh world, you don't really know what's going on over there. Right. That was the most awful thing I've ever yeah. heard. <laughs> yeah, Cronenberg flesh world. I yeah, I was I was pick- I almost said something about like a, a Clive Barker Cinnabite. But I think I think Cronenberg Flesh World is worse, yeah. <laughs> oh man, no! I recently saw that Crimes of the Future movie. That was pretty awesome. Oh geez, how what? I I have not seen it. What'd you oh, think? I know. I mean, I liked it, but you know, you got to understand, it's like a movie about super avant-garde, high-concept art, which is what it is. So it's kind of a weird meta commentary on things like that, but. I mean, I like cinema so much that I enjoyed it. I'm sure a lot of people would have been like, what the fuck is this? Like, what am I watching right now? It was very, very weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's... Uh, huh, yeah, no, and, and you know the other thing I got to just mention too, like, because it was something I kept coming back to when I was watching. I rewatched it last night. I have this movie, of course, because most of the movies we talk about, I own copies of, but the, uh, the cast in this movie is incredible. I mean... This is one of those movies, like, I mean, sometimes I watch movies and I'm, you know, I get surprised by how great a cast is. Like, uh, a couple weeks back, I rewatched, like, um, what was it? Um, one Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. And that's yeah. one of those ones where you're just like, every fucking person in this movie is incredible. <laughs> like, every actor in it is great. And in The Mist, it's kind of like that, too, where as they're going through it, like, that Marcia Gay Harden. Yeah. Who plays uh, Mrs. Carmody, Carmody. Yeah. Dude, I mean, like, has she been in anything better than that movie? That is, like, the best role she's ever done, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's been in good shit. Like, she was in Miller's Crossing with our boy, uh, Gabriel Byrne. But no, but yeah, I... Yeah, it was okay. That was okay. Well, yeah, I, I, like, I don't... That like, was a great movie. It was a great movie. <laughs> well, but I think, like, as far as her performance, yeah, this is, like, peak. I mean, this she's so good in this, yeah. Oh, she's fantastic. And again, here's one of those hits differently commentaries. I remember watching this movie with someone, you know, years ago when it first came out. And, you know, there's that scene where Tom Jane's like, today it's three people and tomorrow it's like five and then she's going to be preaching about sacrifice. And I remember the person I was sitting with was like, 
well, that's a little melodramatic. And I remember being like, I don't know, people. <laughs> and now you watch that scene and you're like, you need to cut that bitch's head off. Right, yeah. <laughs> you need to yeah. Kill her now. <laughs> like, yeah, she's post trouble and that's not going to end. Right, like, post Trump era. Yeah, you got you to gotta cut that cancer out. <laughs> you got to get rid of that now. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or you got to run. Like, you run or you get rid of it, but you don't, like, put up with that and ignore it. Yeah. You know, and that was one of those things that hits real differently is, like, each one of the groups, you know, like, in the beginning, it's almost like the vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers. Like, right after, you know, Jane, like, we were talking before the show. I'm sorry. I'm kind of talking too much, maybe. I need to no. stop and let Brett jump in here, but... <laughs> We were talking before the show for a minute, and uh, there's almost that moment where Tom Jane, like when they go into the back room to check the generator thing, and and the kid's like, "I'll go out and do it," and and he's like, "Dude, not necessary." Right? The guy's like, "What are you, some kind of pussy? Like, let him do it." He's like, "Yeah, what are you, pussy?" (laughs) And the whole time they're doing it. Tom Jane's almost like looking at the camera like, is it just me? Like, am I the only one who is in this horror film right now? He's, he's almost like, did you guys miss the first 10 minutes of this movie? Like, do you not know what's happening? Right. Have you not seen a horror movie before? And as soon as they open it up, you know, like the horribleness ensues. Like, again, as you were saying, one of the maybe the most Cthulhu-esque like sort of representations of this weird technical thing that's kind of amorphous. You don't even really know what it is. And it's, you know, pulling off chunks of the kid and like taking them out. Yeah. And then, you know, and then they go out and they're like covered in blood and they're shaking, trying to drink a beer. And then the other guy comes over. He's like, are you playing a joke on me right now? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is scary. (laughs) This is, this is kind of scary. This is all like, unfolding in front of me like it did the past like five years or so yeah in a way where like now this movie almost beat for beat is like predictable i wonder if i could go back and watch it for the first time if i'd be like there's nothing surprising (laughs) right and, and i do i do think it's like this wonderful microcosm of like you know all these different aspects of society in the grocery store with the you know the grocery store representing civilization or whatever with the the mist outside encroaching being, you know, disorder and, and, uh, you know, and there's even a point where one of the guys says like, why, why do we need to think about leaving the grocery store? We have everything we need right here, you know, but when, but when those supply chains break down, when shit, when the mist starts creeping in, like eventually the food's going to go bad. The food's going to run out. Like eventually you're not going to be able to sustain this, like, isolated protective bubble around you and and yeah and 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 then just like the people going to shit as well and losing their shit when this is the thing it's like they would have been totally fine if they'd all just sat down had a drink had some food covered up the windows maybe even just gone in the back room and turned off the lights just gotten cozy like it was a tornado drill if they just waited two days they would have all lived and there would have been no problems at all right but they immediately but as soon as the closes in it creates this claustrophobic thing where they're like all of a sudden trapped by the unknown and so then they all are just like what are you looking at i don't know what are you looking at and then like then it all falls apart right yeah, there's a point where it's like, well, you're not even safe to stay because of the religious people. Or then they're like, oh, 
tomorrow is another sacrifice. You know, we'll send someone else. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's 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 not safe to leave and it's not safe to stay. There's like no good call. You know, there's there's no good move. Yeah, it's a really funny kind of anti um, society commentary of like you know you're damned if you do and damned if you don't sort of thing. It's like well you can either stay here with the crazy people or you can take your chances out in the mist. And it's like whoa, right? That <laughs> like either of those options really? Yeah, no, that's true. And and even like the greater metaphor is like eventual. Even if you manage to stick it out for some length of time, like the mist is going to creep in eventually, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, because the whole time I'm sitting there watching it, this time, you know, knowing what's going to happen, you know, my first thought is, okay, what would I really do? I would probably just, like, kind of push my son behind me and be like, dude, let's go to the back and just find a place to hide. Like, we'll go grab some snacks, we'll grab some stuff, we'll get up into the rafters or something, we'll just lay low and whisper and eat snacks and just let these crazy people kill each other like and not be part of this right. you know and then just come out like a couple days later and be like is everybody dead now like <laughs> honestly like that's what i'm saying that movie like before that before like you know the trump years and covid and all these other things i might have been more inclined to be like people people we can work this out and now i'm just like you know what no it's... <laughs> i'm gonna go back here and find a good dark hole to hide in right you you're like you're like in... this out and let me know. you're like in fact mrs carmody probably didn't start murdering people fast enough if like if we wanna <laughs> you know oh man yeah. so yeah <laughs> which man and and that's interesting too because you know, Stephen King's relationship with religion, like he, he believes in God. He, he's not an atheist. He's a religious dude, uh, or a spiritual dude, but he has like, anytime there's a religious figure in his stories, it's almost always a villain, like organized religion almost always becomes shallow and hollow and corrupt. And, and I think she's, I think Mrs. Carmody, and I was thinking about this earlier. Um, in fact, there's a line she says where she says, uh, my life for you or something. Well, oh, I'm sorry. In the beginning, she's talking to God and she's like, let me save them. Let me be there. And it's like very selfish. It's very self-centered. And then, oh, yeah. and then later on, she's talking to God supposedly. And she's saying my life for you, my life when for you. When the is about to like kill her. Yeah. But, yeah. but the thing is, that's a line from the stand and that's something the trash can man uh, the villain, the trash can man says when he's like pledging himself to Randall flag, which is like right. Randall flag is like one of King's main villains. He's in the stand. He's in, uh, he goes by other names, you know, the walking dude. He's like one of the main bad guys in the dark tower series, the man in black. And so it almost got me thinking that like, she thinks she's praying to God, but she's, re uh. but she's, but her God is actually this evil villain. It's a God of chaos and it's a god of of hatred and selfishness and violence and she she has it confused with whatever the the actual supreme being like whatever in Stephen King's words the white or the goodness might be she's yeah. she's confusing it with with that goodness you know and she, well, he definitely he definitely has a tendency to portray you know the corruption of someone who is somewhat spiritual or religious where like they get a taste of power or the ability to like kind of use that belief to kind of get whatever they want. And then it ends up corrupting them in some way. Yeah. So like, I mean, Carmody's really interesting because she kind of goes through that transformation 
like right before your eyes and goes from kind of the kooky, you know, lady at the edge of town who has a sign to being like a full on cult leader in a matter of like two days, you know, the transformation kind of happens. And, uh, and, you know, I felt like I really picked up on a lot of stuff she was saying more this time because recently I watched, uh, another documentary through Netflix, which is, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. It's really horrifying that keep sweet, uh, praise on my yeah, about the FLDS church, the fundamental Latter-day Saints church. No. Oh, Brent Shakers. Brent knows. But yeah, no, it was one of those things where, like, you know, this is also, uh, you know, a story of a guy who is in this fundamentalist, like, religion that already has all kinds of horrible issues, but then the son of one of these leaders is able to kind of use these weird, you know, narcissistic, like, manipulative tactics to it kind of break people down and mold them into, you know, weapons against each other. And, and it was funny because I had just watched this a couple of days ago. And then as I rewatched the mist, I'm like, man, Carmody's hitting all those beats. Like she knows exactly how to take it, take the lead as a cult leader. Yeah. yeah and by- <laughs> Did you notice some of that brand that she's totally like, what's his name? Like Jeff's or whatever, like Warren Jeff's. I was like, damn, this bitch is just like that guy. <laughs> she took like a sign. Oh, they didn't come for us last night. It must've been because they've already eaten or whatever. Yeah. When, and she, she, end, she's like basically almost saying like her will and God's will are the same. So like, I'm God, right? Like, yeah. I mean, God. You know, and, and, and this guy Jeff does this too, where he's like, well, my yeah. dad was going to get resurrected and he didn't, but you know, I kind of look like my dad <laughs> and I'm my dad. So I'm God. And, I'm resurrected. You know, well, that guy, what? he even, he married his dad's wife, right? Well, his dad also had 40 wives or six. Yeah. Wives. Yeah. So his dad dies, and then, like, there's all these wives that, like, don't have a husband now. Oh, well, so you got to give the wives. you got to give They get, like, absorbed into the cult. Like, the Corey gets, like, seven wives. Brent gets, like, four. <laughs> I get, like, six, you know. You Jesus know. Christ. <laughs> That's why. Which, no, man, it's so terrible. It's so well, terrible. You well, shouldn't watch it, but you should. But you should. <laughs> well, which is why when the guy, uh, that actor, Toby Jones... Who, he's been in a tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. I know him from Hunger Games. He was in the Captain America movies. He was Arnim Zola, right? In Captain America one and two. I like Toby Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But uh, but man, I got it. It's it's one of the most satisfying deaths when he shoots Mrs. Carmody. Like, yes. the, it's, no, it's like cheer worthy. Yeah. It's. And I mean, <laughs> it really is. Yeah. There. Like there. Are, it's it's not often in a movie where you're like. Yes, thank God they killed that fucking character. Yeah, the person I was watching it with was like, yes, yes. And the way way he's like, okay, so I shot her. And they're like, thanks, man. Thanks, Wally. He's like, are you sure? He's almost like, I did just murder somebody, right? No, it's fine. It's good. He's like, I appreciate it, Wally. Thank you. And then poor Wally, he gets torn to pieces right after. Oh, yeah. That poor, dude, that guy was the, the, the unsung hero like that guy was oh, fucking Wally comes out of left field All nobody the... sees wally being like a real champ i mean he shoots that one pterodactyl thing yeah like i mean he clocks that thing in the back of the head when it's going for the boy yeah. wally really steps up like a few times <laughs> well, well and i get it one thought i had was i really love everything about this movie and the social commentary and all the like you could ascribe any number of like metaphor or anything you want to this movie um and I think it does a great job of like tribalism and all these people breaking into these different groups. But the one thing I thought, and they might've just not even thought about it, but the, the introduction of a gun into this situation, there's a lot you could, you could do with that. 
in this movie, I, it probably didn't fit. They were doing so many other things. It, they probably didn't need to worry about that. But the, the way this movie turns out, the introduction of a gun into this situation is only good, right? It's purely good. Toby Jones has it. He always yeah. uses it for good. And it like no harm ever comes because a gun is introduced. This is so funny you mentioned this because I feel like maybe the movie just has such good pacing or the way it's put together is so good that it never really occurs to me that Toby Jones never just walks up to Carmody and is like, shut up. Right. Shut up. Right. It never happens. No. You never know the movie like that. It's like like that. Just put it in my back pocket in case a monster comes. Right. And that's That's and 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 it only ever gets used for good. It never falls into the wrong. And and this movie's doing a lot, and I think it does it all successfully. And maybe there's just no room to play with like the ramifications of introducing. You just want to see Toby Jones like I have. Yeah, or like, yeah, no, or like, either, either that, <laughs> either that, or like Toby no Jones. Tell me what to do. <laughs> or he, that, no more. <laughs> yeah, or he goes to look for the for gun. Years. <laughs> he goes to look for the gun, and William Sadler has the gun, right? Like that's you know the person. Well, you know, and but I, but if I can say too, despite those facts, and I think you make a really good point, Corey. I don't know. It's funny. I never really. It's never really dawned on me, but. I think this movie also does something a lot of movies like this don't do, which I think also made me get tired of The Walking Dead, was like, The Walking Dead just assumes that everybody's horrible no matter what. (laughs) Right. In a survival situation, we're all going to be monsters and tear each other to pieces. And in this movie, you know, there's a core group of people who are just like, I just want to get out of here alive. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Like, I'm not interested in slitting throats or, like, stealing stuff. Like... I don't want to cause a ruckus. I just want to go home, you know, and, and, and there's some people who are like that in life, you know, that yeah. don't want everyone to die. And so, you know, I, I feel like I'm just there for that. Like I'm one of those people though. I always have an issue with when they're setting up their defenses, how they have like an open mop bucket full of gasoline. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this yeah. is my biggest gripe about their defenses. Cause like there's so many things they got going on and I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I get it. I get it. But I've worked in some restaurants, and I'll tell you right now, when it comes to mop buckets, they're going to get spilled. They're going to spill. They're going to splash around. You don't want a bunch of flammable liquids splashing all over that. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that that shop manager or the military kid who got burned alive or whatever, you know, they should have seen that coming. They should have known. Yeah, that's true. It's like in Dawn of the Dead when they got the chainsaw inside the moving bus. It's like, guys, (laughs) you know, I don't need to explain this to you, do I? (laughs) The mop accident was almost comical, though, like... He lights it and then like slips on the floor and immediately <laughs> burns himself. Yeah. Alive. Oh no, like, dude! It, it was hilarious. It was, like it was hilarious. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you need almost like a comic level accident in a horror movie to really like just take it to that next level where you're like, oh god, no! It's escalating so badly, so fast. You know, there's this movie. Um, I think it's Piranha 3D. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's a scene where they first start eating people in that movie, and one of the dudes who's in a little, like, fishing boat loses his mind and then decides to just drive through a crowd of swimmers, just grinding them up with, like, the, the motor. And, and you're watching it like, what is this? But it was, like, one of those moments right. where it's like, 
why don't we put a like a Benny Hill style bucket of flammables <laughs> right here so we can just bah, 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 and just kick it and burn everything alive? Like it's it's so great, it's so yeah. stupid. You watch it, you're just like, what are you thinking, guys? Come on. Well, Come and on. it's 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 funny you mentioned The Walking Dead. Did you know that the director of this, Frank Darabont, he's one of the creators, like the developers of The Walking Dead. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. At all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, and I think it was, you know, him taking a lot of the ideas he was playing with here and which man, that guy's really interesting. Cause he did like Shawshank Redemption. He did the green mile and then he did the majestic with Jim Carrey. And then he did this movie in 2007. And yeah. I, I, I don't think he's directed another feature film since then. He hasn't done a lot of big movies. Which, since that. Yeah. He had a couple of little wild. things. He's got one that's like kind of a documentary about, like himself or a fellow director or something. I was looking at some of the stuff, but yeah, this was one of his last big things. Yeah. And Would, what thing, I mean, you know, if I made this dude, I'd be like, I'm done. I'm, de- <laughs> yeah, I'm going out on this. A legend. That's, made the mist. that's <laughs> true. That's true. No, that's fair. That's fair, man. Uh, it's, it's a pretty fantastic movie. Oh, and you know what we should, I mean, we've, we've hit a lot of the best parts of this movie, but I feel like we should talk about the monsters. Cause like, there's so many good ones. Like, and I don't know about you guys, but when would you just be like, I'm out like this monster. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. Dude, the, the first mosquito, the very first mosquito, I'd be like, no, no, I, uh, no. I would have punched that thing. I, I would have just been like, get out of here with that. Like, I don't like bugs, but I'm not afraid of them. I'll smack the crap out of a bug. Yeah. <laughs> or dude, the spiders with human teeth and human uh, faces. Oh like, yeah. The acid, the acid web. Yeah. Yeah. When the first acid web came out, that's when I would have just run to my car. Like, I wouldn't have gone back to the grocery store. No. I'd have just been like, I'm done with this shit. Like, I am out of here. Yeah. yeah. When he got on the dude's leg and just ripped his leg off, I would have been like, no. <laughs> oh, dude. And then when, when the guy starts to t- – when all this – oh, the spiders start to spill out of that guy. And then when he f- hits the floor and the spiders <laughs> explode out of him, yeah, that shit's intense. <laughs> well, see, and this is the thing I was saying before, like – they do such a great job of mixing, you know, like when he falls and hits, that's all digital spiders and stuff. But at the time that was a good kind of uh, effect to go for, because if you did too much digital, it would look awful and too little. It wasn't worth doing, but like spiders, you know, they were doing that back in like the mummy and stuff, you know, (laughs) where, so, so like they pick a good thing to do digitally, but then they put the guy up on the wall and they give him the full makeup with all the pus and the boils and the, Oh, sorry. Kill me. (laughs) And they give, and and so like, I feel like this movie, it was kind of right in, you know, because it was late 90s to mid to late 2000s where we went from practical effects to just full digital. Yeah. And this one is kind of still in that area where, and they do it so well, sometimes you can't even quite tell when it's real and when it's not. Yeah. Like, like I watched Jumanji with my kid the other day, and there's parts where the practical effects are sometimes really bad. Right. And you're just like, that's a puppet. Yeah. <laughs> or that that spider doesn't look real but in the mist like it's pretty seamless from one to the other so like you don't get pulled out of the action as much like i feel like when it goes from some nasty like you know digital spider and then you see the guy's leg getting ripped to shreds i'm like well they're doing all that on the guy like yeah. that's pretty cool you know, yeah. Up like it, that. yeah it it holds it holds up for sure i think yeah so. but it's but i like the um I think we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but as far as like tying into Stephen King's like Dark Tower series and all that, there a big part of that series is 
uh, worlds stacked on top of one another and and thin places being able to cross from one world to the other through thin... And the soldier talks about this a bunch, yeah, when yeah. They, right before they stab him. Yeah, but so but there's also a place in Steve in in Stephen King's Dark Tower series where he talks about uh, behind everything there's what he calls Todash space, which is a place of like darkness and monsters. And I think like they don't say it in this movie, but I get the impression that keeping with the Stephen King, like, uh, whatever, uh, fantasy, whatever. I can't think of the word I'm trying to think of, but, um, I think it, this is the mist is like basically like toad ash space spilling. Oh, in. the sort of King mythos or whatever. The, the, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the toad ash yeah, space yeah. spilling into our, our dimension, our universe. Yeah. And, and is this like in some way, I mean, and again, I know it's unrelated because they're different authors, but is this, like, uh, you know, because Lovecraft would talk about that weird sort of dimensional space where, you know, um, like, so goth Oth would come from, like, where he was, like, a million eyes, like, in one being, but would float through space, like, devouring matter or whatever. And you're just like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, yeah. but he comes from, like, a nameless dimension or whatever. I mean, is this kind of the idea where it's, like, not a dimension with any kind of place or name, but one of fog and monsters, and that's it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think, and, and Stephen King, like, he obviously... He obviously likes Lovecraft. He obviously draws uh, inspiration from Lovecraft. He actually wrote a story called Crouch End, which is a short story, which is just Stephen King doing straight up Lovecraft. Um, well, I mean, I didn't want to get into a whole thing because it makes me sound like a Stephen King hater, and I'm not. You know, I'm not an apologist either, but. I feel like he does have a habit of rewriting the same story many times over and over again, you know, yeah. where he'll be like, oh, I'm going to write this, you know, uh, book about, you know, machines that come to life, you know, called like Maximum Overdrive. No, no, actually, I'm going to do another one. It's called Christine. No, actually, I'm going to do <laughs> It's like, I mean, it doesn't make the books worse, but he does like get a topic he likes and he keeps trying to hit it until he gets it right. And he's like, oh, no, how about we do a Tommy Knockers thing where aliens control machines? And you're like, dude, you know what the machines? <laughs> oh, no. Well, that's definitely true. Well, and for like the last five or six years, he's been writing all like hard boiled crime. Right. Oh, see, I, and I haven't. And I'll be honest. I can't yeah. really speak about his newer stuff, so I can't. Yeah. I'm not. No, I'm but, not trying to be judgy. No, I. Th I think you're right, though. No, he does. Like there are things he gets. He he like gloms on to certain themes, ideas, or whatever. And he like you can see him like reusing them and like recycling them for sure. Um. But uh, but I think uh for 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 my money, uh one of one of my favorite Stephen King books and just one of my favorite Lovecraftian books that's not Lovecraft is uh it's a newer book called revival from stephen king um so i'd i'd recommend that to anybody who's who's interested in in anything similar oh yeah i'll check that out man but i've been trying to read a lot this year i've been reading a lot of different books i've been going through like the whole dune series i'm into the fifth book now and oh nice i've been reading a bunch of cyberpunk stuff like uh snow crash and uh just i don't know different things like i've been meaning to read for a long time so yeah i'll check i'll check that out man Nice. Yeah, it's good. It's good. But I like, uh, we kind of, earlier when we were talking about Carmody, man, she has one of the best lines when she's like, w when I need a friend like you, I'll pop a little squat and shit one out. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good line. She's just, she's just maliciously terrible in so yeah. many parts. Or just like, or even the way, I mean, and, and that actress, I don't know what it was about that role that suited her so well, Yeah. but she flips between like very aggressively mean or like, there's the one part where the guy's like 
going outside and he's like, you know, if he's like, I believe in God too. I just don't think he's a blood spilling bastard like you seem to think he is or whatever it is he says to her. And she's like, well, why don't you just go take it up with him yourself? You know, while you're sitting with the devil. (laughs) She does it in a way that's like passively, aggressively gentle too. She like flips between these modes in a way that's just makes you hate her so much. I mean, it's funny because as you watch the movie, you know, there's obviously like certain characters you're supposed to hate. Yeah. And, but, but it's funny to think that, and again, I guess this is just that, that whole thing, like before versus now, like, I feel like when this came out in 2007, you'd watch this and be like, well, who would believe a woman like that? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And now when I watch it, I'm just like, I'm just like, you know what, lady, I'm going to take the middle of this grocery store and you're going to stay over there. <laughs> yeah, don't come over here. I mean, a la I Love Lucy, we're going to just put a line down the middle. You're gonna... <laughs> I'm going to stay over here. How does that sound to you? <laughs> oh, man, yeah, you want to do some of that expiation, just use your own people. That's fine. Oh, Good yeah. Uh, yeah, that word, expiation, they keep repeating that. I mean, I was just like, I, this is one of those like embolden or whatever. I was like, is that a word? I don't, I don't know if it is, but I don't like the sound. Of it. <laughs> Next week, we're talking about the 1988 Wes Craven film, The Serpent and the Rainbow. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at Headcanon Pod on Twitter at HorrorMoviePod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash HorrorMoviePod. Oh, man. So I know with, uh, and, I, you know, I'm not the host of this show, so I don't know why I'm breaking this up, but uh, I know with the head canon, we always talk about where weird oddities would fit into this, and I tell you, I almost would love to see a sequel to this but more on the comedy side, like dinner where Tom Jane feels like he's just trapped in a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when Miss Two starts and the Miss starts rolling in, he's literally like turning to everybody like, remember when this happened? And they're like, no. No matter what he does, he can't find a gun because he just wants to shoot himself immediately. He just can't. <laughs> he's just going around rifling through drawers looking for one. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm looking for a gun. Don't you guys remember what You know, without without their leader, without their figurehead, I imagine they just probably like. Well, she was a well, Martin, Jesus so guy. Died. We all know what the fuck happened after that. <laughs> I mean, I you know the thing I always wonder is like you know would the Miss Two really though just be like opening credits? Chom Jane eats a bunch of pills and he's dead. <laughs> and it's like I mean, because right. like what is that man gonna do after that event? Yeah, you have him on twenty four hour watch. Like he's like. <laughs> He's not going to recover from that. No. He's just always going to be sitting in a chair like... I, I shot my son. <laughs> I, I, shot every, I shot every... I'm, like, I'm the only person left because I killed everybody when I didn't have to. Right, yeah. The, the, I just like, waited 
like ten minutes. They'll go to him and they'll be like, "What do you want? What do you want for breakfast? You want some eggs?" And he's just like, "I shot my son." <laughs> like that's it. it that's all. Matter. Yeah. You're like, why don't you ask me in ten minutes? Right. <laughs> I I will still have shot my son. <laughs> he dies and his headstone just says, "What do I want for breakfast?" The last ten minutes back. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and that's truly the worst. Yeah, if they had just waited ten more minutes, that's so man, it's so rough. It's, and it's not even like he does it, and then we see the car sit there, and then the next day he gets out and starts screaming. He does it immediately, and there's the text. Yeah, like he could have just. He could have scratched his head with the gun and just been like, I'm going to take a five minute nap. Yeah. Think about this. <laughs> and they all would have been fine. <laughs> so there's your lesson, kids. Like, don't give up too early. Don't give up too early, yeah. yeah. And don't, I mean, don't give up at all. What kind of nonsense is that? You're just going to give off and shoot everybody? Come on. I mean, um, did you see everybody else get eaten by those monsters? Like, the only ones who suffered were the ones who, who like, tried to resist. <laughs> right. right. As soon as the tentacle <laughs> if, grabs you. If you just walk out there and let, you know, Crab Lante pick you up and snap you in half, it's over real quick. Just, <laughs> that's how Wally went. It was over in, like, a second. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, am I wrong? Or, like, the biker dude with his... His leg on a rope, which, by the way, I don't want to get off on a whole thing here because I know we're near the end. But, <laughs> hey, you know, if you're going to tie a tiny little thin nylon rope to, like, I mean, I feel like a man's bottom half of his body would be, like, what, at least 80, 90 pounds, maybe 100 pounds, and they're pulling it on that little string. Now, did he, like, interweave it through his belt and around his legs? Because, like, question. they pull his torso all the way back. Yeah. From a good, and, and it's a long rope. They, like, go out, like, 300 feet or whatever it is. And it pulls almost all the rope out. So they pull his half torso 300 feet on that tiny little line. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> well, then... I've, always, I've always watched that scene and thought, I don't know. I have a question about that scene. Yeah. Yo, go. He wanted to, that, the biker guy, he was going to go get the shotgun, right? That's yeah. correct. I feel I feel that like he said, I'm gonna take the car and go or something like that. Was his plan to tie the shotgun onto the string and then take the car? Or was he wanting to bring the shotgun back and then well, no, there was, the car back there to the was store? another old man who had oh. the car with the gun, but he was yeah. old and he wasn't sure if he'd make it. So the guy, the biker with the big knife, you know, that's how you know he's tough. He's got a big right. knife. He's like yeah. he was like, That's not a knife. This is a yeah. knife. <laughs> they pulled classic Crocodile Dundee style. <laughs> but no, he says, like, I'll go out and get your gun for you. He's like, I got a motorcycle. I can't take that, but I'll go out and get your gun for you or whatever. And I think his plan was to run to the car, drive the car back to the door, and yeah. then get out and, you know, come inside. So, like, yeah, I think that was the plan, but it's, like, obviously, you know, the old Krabby, like, nipped him in half before, yeah. like, yeah, well, chance yeah. And so I think, ideally... There was they if if things went like they were hoping it would, there would be no need to tie a string to him. But I think the string was just in case he didn't make it. They wanted to see how far he got, which yeah, yeah. Which they it, know. Did you get this distance? Yeah, yeah. Which, which again, it's funny because it's like are you just you just want to be scared instead of being like are you are you there? It's like either he's coming back or not. This way, you got this nice bloody rope visual and yeah. You know, oh, and then and then Tom Jane, no gloves, just going just right pulling at in it. the bloody just, rope. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're just like, bro. Like, I, I mean, do you need to see what's on the end of that? Like, I don't. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you could get the all idea. I know is the biker ate this. 
there anymore. Like, you know, <laughs> right. Use just like some basic subtraction. What the rope was 350 feet long. Like, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> how much, yeah. How much blood is on that rope? How much blood is in a human body? No, he's not fine. <laughs> I'll tell you what really hit me this time is I was watching the beginning part where, you know, all the, the storm happens and breaks all the stuff. And I thought to myself, shit, I wouldn't go into town. Not on a day like that. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, store's going to be packed. I got to get on the phone with the insurance company. I'm just going to make some cocoa, like sit on the back porch. I'm not dealing with this shit today. Right. <laughs> that's immediately what I thought. That's, that's why I would not be a good character in The Mist, because I'd just be at my house, like, in the basement. Like, what is going on out there? Right. Yeah. I watched this movie on Saturday, and then on Sunday we had this, like, giant storm at our house. And, like, I had, like, the wind, the, the blinds open, and I'm looking at the tree line like, is that fucking, is that thing tall enough to crash through and smash me right now? Because of that move, because of the mist. I was like, right. oh, man. You're like, is this, is this going to destroy the painting I've been working on? <laughs> yeah, right. No, I love when he's like, oh, I'm such a moron. It's like, well, you didn't think a you know, two-ton tree was going to come through your painting room, did you? Right. I mean, why would, why you would you expect that? <laughs> and his wife literally says as much. She's like, what are you talking about, honey? Are you an idiot? <laughs> 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 he has commentary in it like that where I'm just like, yes, thank you. Like, thanks for doing that. I mean, and, you know, this this might be a great way to segue into our, our next one because – this is one of the things I love about Big Trouble in Little China, too, is they find a way to just put exactly what you want in there. Because, you know, I know we're going to talk about this at length, but I just want to say one of the greatest possible <laughs> six seconds of film ever recorded yeah. <laughs> is when they drink that potion in the elevator and they're rolling down like, I'm feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, I know what you mean. I feel pretty invincible. Yeah, like I could take on the world. You both know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh yeah, no, I can't. One of the most amazing things ever put in, in a movie, and uh, and yeah, you, I just love it when uh, filmmakers do that. You know, like when they're just like, "Hey, can we state the obvious for two seconds?" Because I mean, you know, Tom Jane looking at him, being like, "Are you guys just trying to get this fucking kid killed? Is that what your goal is?" Right. Yeah. Just just slit his throat. It'll be easier than feeding him to the fucking tentacle monster. Like, <laughs> so you really want to do this? You know. <laughs> Oh, oh man. Oh, well, I, I like that we know what the next movie we're going to do with you is, so we can do. There's like a little bit of foreshadowing for a future episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and just to, and just to, just to let our audience know, um, because there was some question as to does this even count as a headcanon movie? I mean, really, I think the debate got settled because John Carpenter did it, right? Like yeah. once I brought that up, you were like, "Oh, enough said." If it's yeah. John <laughs> you were like, "I forgot he did this." Okay. Well, and there, yeah, there are so many horror elements. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. I, mean, it's, it's really it's funny. I think it'd be funny if, like, when the tentacle grabbed the kid at the beginning, if Tom had to shoot that kid in the head. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, throughout the movie, he just had to keep shooting people. <laughs> but for good. Because, <laughs> like, when the girl got poked by the thing. Just, oh, God. Yeah, Sally. That Dude, that was grotesque. Yeah. That was a good practical effect there, too, right? Like, yeah. Like, she yeah, balloons up and... Yeah. Turns into like what's her name from Willy Wonka? You know, it's like Violet Beauregard style. Out. Yeah, no, you're right, Corey. He should have just run over and been like, "Let me just finish her off." Like this is this is grotesque. We shouldn't put her through this. Absolutely. Oh man, such a such a great movie though, The Mist. I uh, 
for the longest time too like you couldn't it wasn't streaming on anything like you had to buy a copy of it to have it and just recently just recently like a couple weeks ago it went on all the streaming platforms which i was so happy to see because originally when i recommended it I, I, you know, I had it on DVD, but then I looked, I was like, oh man, they're going to have to buy this. Like, I feel like a jerk for making guys buy movies. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, rent, I rented it and then I found it because afterwards I, I go on YouTube to like see if there's anything I, I can talk about. Right. And it was, it was, it's streaming on YouTube. Yeah. Well, they have it on like Netflix and Hulu and like, I mean, it, all of a sudden I guess the rights of it must have come up or something. It's wild how that works, right? Yeah. It is weird because, you know, like one day, like a company won't have any of them and then the next day they have all of them. Like uh, HBO signing a whole thing with uh, A24 right now, so hopefully they'll get a bunch of their movies. Did you ever get a chance to see that um, Everything Everywhere All at Once? I did, and I really liked it a lot. Was that movie amazing? Yeah, yeah. My, I watched it. My, my son watched it too. We, we had a good time. How old's your son? <laughs> He's 12. Oh, okay, right on. No, I would totally watch it with a twelve-year-old. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he got he had major belly laughs when the dude was trying to like shove the thing up his butt. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah it was so funny. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> yeah, no, sure. Or the uh, or yeah, when he when she's battling with the Palmeranian like rope dart or whatever, that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was, I mean, that, that was just for his humor. He liked that, but I thought the whole thing was fantastic. Oh, the movie was fantastic. It's, I mean, it's probably one of my like top favorite movies of this year. Anyway, like, yeah. really, really amazing. We were talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, dude, that's I. That might be my favorite movie of all time. I, I, it might be like recency bias, but goddamn, like. Yeah, that's one of those things. It's hard with recency bias to be like greatest movie ever, but I mean, of of twenty twenty two is my favorite movie yeah. by far. Well, well, I was. I think I've I might have said it on this podcast before. I know I to, I know I told Brent, but like, because I, I was just the perfect age in nineteen ninety nine for the Matrix to hit me in the right way, right? Sure. And I was just like just opened me up to the, cause it was so cool. It was so stylistic. Like it had this cool Kung Fu and fighting and all these deeper themes. And it was like, it was like an action packed movie. Like you could turn your brain off if you wanted to, but you could also like think about these deeper themes if you wanted to. Right. And, and I feel, I feel like for me personally, uh, everything everywhere all at once is like a spiritual sequel for like an older, more mature, me <laughs> you know yeah what I mean? no that's true yeah no i definitely hear that man and and that director he is such an oddball in the way he does stuff he did he was the guy who did uh swiss army man i, I, I still need to see that, that. yeah really was, i mean really so bizarre and so deranged but a really fascinating movie too i mean he's got a very interesting like point of view and take on things and he has this way of like creating levity in absurdist comedy in a way that like or, or having serious things in absurdist comedy you know where it's like the like brent was just talking about his son laughing at like you know the butt plug kung fu <laughs> or like i love i love the pinky master yeah you know, where it's like, boom with the pinky i mean that stuff is so crazy stupid but then embedded within that is this like story between a mother and a daughter and all this other stuff which I don't know. That director has a way of combining element like oil and water. They don't go together at all. And right. somehow he makes a movie out of it and you're like, wow, that was interesting. Well and, and I, I think I think the beautiful thing about that movie is that the the movie's philosophy on life is embodied in the movie itself because everything like I like life is ultimately tragic and sad and uh, miserable in the fact that like everything dies, everything is temporary. 
there's uh no matter what at some point you're going to experience suffering and everyone suffers and everyone dies and that's like heavy and deep and tragic and sad right but also but also everything is like absurd and ridiculous and hilarious and doesn't matter and it's the duality of existence right exactly like and and for me like i feel like that's that's what life is like life is both of those things at the same time and if you fixate on one or the other too much you usually have a pretty bad time so it's a good blend of the two is what really gets you far i mean it was so funny because i was i was working you know recently and this guy that i work with in this kitchen he was asking me because he knew i watched a lot of movies he's like should i go see this movie i I heard it's kind of heavy and it's sad. I go, well, yeah, but it's also fun. He goes, well, how can it be fun and heavy? I was like, well, it's everything, buddy. I mean, it's in the title. <laughs> it's I was like, it, it runs the gamut of all these things. And he was like, I don't really understand. I was like, yeah, and I can't explain it to you. You have to just go see it. Because like, if I try and talk about an everything bagel, you won't be able to wrap your head around what I'm talking about. Right. And he was like, okay. But he came back the next day. He was like, yeah, it was great. He was like, I don't know if I totally understood it. He's like, I liked it a lot. It was kind of sad, but I laughed a ton. He's like, I don't know what to say. I was like, I know. That's, that's oh, all you great. Dude, well, and, and one thing I didn't pick up on this, but I, I read later is kind of like the version of the, the yin-yang, right? But it's how the, the everything bagel with it's, – it's this black ring with this white light in the center, right? Sure. Is, is the inversion of the googly eye. With the yeah. white, with the white ring in the black center, and the black in the center, right? Know. And that that represents like the bagel represents her like nihilistic, like the dark tragedy, suffering outlook yeah. on life. Whereas, you know, the googly eye is her father is Wayman's like light, uh, like his outlook on life. You know, his like light, absurdist, to like be made to be silly, and right? Fun. Like what, why, like you're here, why not fucking have fun with it? Like what else are you yeah. gonna do? You know? Yeah. Yeah, really cool. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think we got your head cannon. Uh, Brent, do you want to go ahead and give yours, or I can give mine? Either way. Oh, I, I love Brent's where we just have <laughs> Toby walking around shooting her. What's his name? Wally just shooting everybody who's got a problem. Oh, not, I lo- okay, I came in. I think I, I missed. I don't, I don't want to step on Brent's toes, but <laughs> I thought that was just damn near perfect. I mean, I'm envisioning the uh, cashiered girl's throat swelling up with Wally just being like, just let me take care of it. Yeah, oh. I love, I love, yeah, popping people, <laughs> popping people in the head for good. For good. Yeah, so they have to keep doing this. Yeah, just to make it, <laughs> or, or like when they stab that poor soldier and he's like screaming while he just comes up and he's like, boom. Well, he was suffering. Right. And everyone's like, Wally. <laughs> Wally. Wally. We were going to use that guy. <laughs> wah, wah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. I thought of I thought of one where, like at the end at the end, the the the, the army they they close up the portal right, and they almost are able to do it and it starts to, you know like James Bond like the opening sequence has that like oh that, yeah like, looking down thing, the barrel like, of a gun yeah 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 like, it, it like rifles like almost to completion but then it's like it stops at the size of an asshole, uh-huh. <laughs> and then they're like what do we, oh my god what do we we need like magic. What will fit? What's gonna fit into this little hole? This little asshole. Yeah, we'll plug this magical portal. <laughs> so what they do is they fly. For first class, they fly. They fly Danny Torrance in. Okay. And he he then just has to keep his magic finger in the hole. <laughs> oh, are you are you talking about um 
What's Tony? 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 Tony has to stay in there. Right. Ah. Oh, dude, that I I also watched. I also watched. <laughs> I I also watched The Shining with my daughter, and it's now a running joke in my family where Tony will be like, "Eat your breakfast." <laughs> Get I ready. can't wait to do that with my kid. We're not quite there yet. He's eight, like, so I don't know. Get ready for school. Come play with us. <laughs> yeah, my my daughter will be like Tony. Uh, leave me alone, Tony. Tony, jeez, I just want to eat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, I'll do my head cannon real quick because it's quick and dumb. Um, but so my my head cannon is that one of the spiders across this, you know, next door in the pharmacy and one of the mosquito monsters, they like, they kind of meet and they, they fall in love. Like there are sparks immediately, but the, but the spider's family doesn't approve of the mosquito and the mosquito's family doesn't approve of the spider. So they have to, you know, they have to date and see each other uh, without their family knowing. And then they try to get together and it doesn't work out. Like the spider fakes her death. And the mosquito thinks the spider's really dead, so the spider kills itself. But then the mosquito, it was a fake potion, so the mosquito... If it only waited 30 seconds more, it could have, like, seen... It could have, yeah. So, yeah, it's like a Romeo and Juliet version of 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 The Mist, yeah. You know, as you're describing that, too, I want to see the movie where, uh, you know, we get to see the monsters hiding in a cave on the other side of the portal as humans are coming through, and they're like, oh, crap, there's humans out there. <laughs> Yeah, what spider gods are going? You spiders are going to need to be sacrificed to the humans for the spider lord. Yeah, one one of the spiders. The whole is the exact same movie. Yeah, just the monsters. Just inverted. It's in a cave too, Josh. Because like, well, they're not going to have the windows of the grocery store. They're like, they they could just come on through that. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, it's got to be somewhere like that makes sense for monsters, like some swampy jungle. But they're still like. folktale or something about the, yeah the, the dutch boy who puts his finger in the dike which actually i just um watched that atrociously bad movie geostorm <laughs> where they talk about it extensively in that oh man i remember seeing some old cartoon or something where it's like there's a leak in the dike we have to plug the leak in the dike <laughs> yeah well i guess the whole story is like the boy's walking along he sees the you know the hole 
he puts his finger in and he lets somebody know, and then they bring a guy who patches the hole. That's the whole story. Oh, it's, okay. All right. It's not really that exciting. No, story. not it's like that. Story, really. It's more of a, you know, hey, if you see a hole, maybe just plug it instead of not being like, eh, it's fine. Right, yeah. No, you know, somebody, I, will, somebody will come along and fix that eventually. Well, not, one of those morals. I, I told my daughter the, the story of the, uh, the scorpion and the frog recently. Sure. You know that? And so, like, I don't know why I, I don't remember the context, but I told her about it. And then like the next night uh, we were watching, I think it was Umbrella Academy and somebody in that movie or that show mentions the, the parable of this, the frog and the scorpion. And my daughter just looks over at me. She was like, <laughs> I can't believe it. Yeah. She was like, how, how did you know? It's, was, it's great when your kids realize that you know things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a shocking moment. No, my son, he just got me, um, he just convinced me to play some Minecraft with him. Okay. And and so I started playing it for the first time a couple days ago. And so I started building this thing. And it's like, dad, your, your tower on your house is really cool looking. He's like, it really, it looks like an actual castle. And I'm like, well, you know, Dad has a degree in art history, man. I studied classic <laughs> architecture for years. Like, <laughs> you know, they're just like, yeah, I mean, it looks like an actual building. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm modeling it after a French cathedral. So, you know. <laughs> it's just funny, though, because they look at you like, oh, you know about things? And you're like, yeah, a couple things. Yeah, you you're know, like, I, yeah, I know some shit. Four times your age. Yeah. Oh, man, my, yeah. My kids... My youngest especially, but yeah, my, uh, I've played my share of Minecraft. They fucking love that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. I, I, uh, I, you know, I play video games. I like playing games with him, but, um, I don't know, man. Sometimes like, it's also just my eyes where it's like, we'll be doing a split screen thing. And I'm like, I can't barely see what I'm doing right now, <laughs> you know, but, uh, no, but it is fun. It's fun to play, you know, and sharing those hobbies and stuff. But yeah, I always get a kick out of that, you know, and being a teacher, like I was for years, man, I can't tell you how many times, like I would have some random encounter where a middle school kid would come up and be like, you seem pretty cool, Mr. Halterman. You ever heard of this guy called Kurt Cobain? He's a pretty great guitar player and singer. And you're like, Okay. You're like Jesus what Christ. You, tell me about <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they'll be like, "I just heard this guy Jimi Hendrix, and his music is crazy." Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah, it sure is." Wait till you smoke weed and listen to it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're not gonna believe how crazy that music. Is. Oh, what I saw, I saw somebody talking about recently because Stranger Things in the Stranger Things finale, they have a, a guitar solo from that Metallica song. Right? I heard people have been freaking out about this. I haven't watched the newest season because, like, there was such a gap. I don't even remember what's happening. I have to go back and watch the old ones. Oh, yeah. oh dude, I, my... I literally have no idea what's happening. No, man, I, just, I started watching the first episode. I was like, I'm clueless. <laughs> like, I don't know no, I could. The, the minute season four came out, my daughters were like, we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. We're not moving from this couch until we watch this fucking show. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, whatever. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. How old are your daughters? Uh, 13 and 15. Oh, yeah. So it's probably like all their friends are talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, but. No, it's like I work with a bunch of younger people too. And so like, yeah, certain things will just become wildly popular. They're like, how do you not know about this? And I'm like, because I don't have a 15 year old girl living in my house. Like, right. Yeah. If I did, I would have seen them all. I'm sure. Yeah. But you know, if you want to talk about like, you know, uh, Captain Underpants, 
I got you covered on that. Your old son is all over that. Shit. Yeah, but so but so somebody somebody made the point because some people are like you can go one of two ways about it. Like all these kids are discovering Metallica and Master of Puppets, right? right? right and right. and certain people are like, oh, you you children are just now discovering Metallica, blah blah blah. But then oh, you're getting a Larsy is what it is. Yeah. Lars, yeah, yeah. He's a member of Metallica. Yeah, they're getting they're being Lars about it. Um, I'm gonna be all bitter because I'm cooler than you. It's like okay, you yeah. want cool points? What does that mean? Exactly. You? But yeah, but some, somebody was making that exact same point, and they were like, they were like, yeah, like we didn't all learn about Queen from Wayne's World, hearing you know, <laughs> right, right, yeah, or just anything where like your parents played something once, and then you played it for your friends, and they're like, this is great. Where'd you get this from? And you're like. Uh, I don't know. I just heard it one time. Like, my I'm just mom fucking cool. Because, <laughs> you yeah. know, my mom knows what sweet music is. You know, I mean, it's just one of those things. Like, yeah. nobody, nobody all of a sudden was like, yeah, I just like turned on the radio and fell in love with Metallica because it was on. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> like, your older brother was playing and you were like, what is this noise? And he was like, it's Metallica, loser. Listen to it. And then you got into it. And you, you know, it's like, so it's not, you know, yeah. rose-colored glasses, the whole thing. I like, <laughs> right. I like to think that. how we learn about stuff. <laughs> yeah, anyone who, who likes Metallica was like, listen to this, loser. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, pops up on his Pandora station. Yeah. yeah. But you know. I'm not saying that's the only way you get introduced to Metallica. No, that's the only way. Listen the to this, way. loser. <laughs> listen up, loser. You've been listening to garbage so far. Check this out. But anyway, maybe uh, to kind of tie this all together, and then I've got to hop and get dinner for my family. But uh, apparently, the the Stephen King book, The Talisman, Steven Spielberg has had the rights to that book for like forty years, and has never Whoa. they've never adapted The Talisman. Well, uh, here's hoping like we can get a mist out of Steven Spielberg. Spiel- for his well, here's long. here's the thing: he's teamed up with the Duffer Brothers, the guys from Stranger Things. And they're working on a Netflix series based off of Stephen King's The Talisman. So, and Stranger okay. Stranger Things definitely has that like '80s small town kids on bikes Stephen King type I, vibe. You know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie, I I really loved the first season just because of the aesthetic, like yeah. just the way they do the wire framed like '80s like synth like boom 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 like yeah. that kind of stuff. Like right away, I was like, this show has got legs. It's it's hitting that classic sort of like aesthetic that people do. Nostalgia. Like it's more kitschy now, you know, like Grindhouse back then was filthy, but now it's like kind of fun and poppy in a way. Yeah. You know, I think, I think like Tarantino and, and Rodriguez did that when they made that Grindhouse movie, they kind of brought it into a more mainstream thing, but people, people really like movies like, uh, you know, no big trouble in little China. Now, like people <laughs> want something that, Orders on that that B movie thing, and that's I think where guys like Chris Pratt or uh, Hemsworth like really shine because they're not like the impenetrable leading man; they're kind of the silly, vulnerable, yes. like goofy leading man. Where it's more of a mix of comedy and action. Like I feel like that's kind of what more twenty first century audiences like now. So it's funny how there's a lot of actors who are trying to hit that right beat because I think there's a lot of money to be made as like the leading guy in Hollywood, if you can get it right. Yeah. Well, that's, and th- maybe this is better for our big trouble in little China discussion, but for yeah, sure, they're, sure. they're d- dudes like John Wayne or Clint Eastwood, like they wouldn't do anything if they felt like it would make them look stupid. 
Right. Well, and, and, and to this day, guys like Vin Diesel or yeah. whatever are kind of like that. And that's kind of one of the things I love about like uh, Dwayne Johnson, you know, yeah. is that he's kind of like Vin Diesel, but then he'll also do a movie like that. Um, like the Tooth the, Fairy? <laughs> or, or what was the one that they did uh, that was like the, the side project, the Hobbs and Shaw? That movie oh, was so bonkers. I loved that movie because it was so <laughs> stupid. And the whole time they're like, Winking at the camera, like, isn't this shit dumb? But we're gonna do it anyway. Like, (laughs) one second he's like, "Love you, sweetheart." Daddy's gotta go fight some guys, and then he's jumping out of a skyscraper with like no harness. You're just like, "What is this?" Yeah. Oh, dude. Or (laughs) like, he's looking at it like, I can't even believe I'm doing this right now. Or dude, a movie I showed my daughters recently. They fucking loved the other guys. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, no, I love the other guys. I have a copy of that. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that was the same director who did the uh, Don't Look Up recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, a lot of people, I mean, that one was... Learned how to dance sarcastically. Yeah, yeah, I learned, <laughs> like, I learned ballet. <laughs> I learned how, I learned ballet to show those kids how gay they looked. <laughs> yeah, to show them how gay they looked. It's like, what are you in here, dancing for dollars on your stripper pole? <laughs> it's ballet. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, and and it's, <laughs> and it's it's I think Murray Murray from Stranger Things is like get back here and sleep with my wife. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nobody yeah, right. nobody comes to my right. house without yeah. sleeping with my yes. wife. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> with Christina. Christina, <laughs> yeah. You Christina. come into my wife's house. You learn how to say her name yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right you never you never done a desk pop <laughs> oh man there's so many great lines in that movie that movie's just so fantastic like, yeah the whole movie yeah god sure. yeah no we'll have to stop though guys because i'll talk all night about it <laughs> yeah but yeah but but no i'll message you josh oh, no, no, i'm sorry last last one yeah please the fight, the fight in the funeral home what is wrong with you guys with Michael Michael Keaton, fight, yeah, yeah. and the way he's like, "That's it, you and me later on, library." Like that's how the fight ends. He challenges him to another fight in the library. Yeah, <laughs> when, he's like, you and me, like the research section, library, eight o'clock. Yeah, and all, like all Michael Keaton's like TLC lyrics for no reason, like or just the way he's like. Got those bath mats. We need to sell those. Those are two for one right now. Also, you're going to want to watch out if you live over on uh, Queens Boulevard. There's a serial rapist. That, you know what? It's wrong job. That's, that's, my that's, my, job. that's my other job. <laughs> well, unless you live on Queens Boulevard. <laughs> Be careful. Walking pants. Yeah. I mean, he's so... Michael is an insanely funny comedic actor who does not do nearly enough comedy roles. That, I'm yeah. sorry. That reminds me real quick of, of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> There's a scene where Charlie Day's character is going to do like some like speed dating thing and they're giving him pointers of how to lie to women. And they're like, tell her you're a philanthropist. And he's like, yeah. well, what do I do? What do I do? He's like, yeah, what, what do I do as a philanthropist? Like, just tell you, 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 you give money to like autistic kids or something. And then it cuts to him on the date and she's like, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a full on rapist. Full on rapist. <laughs> you know, kids, dyslexics. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> mm, yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
Shit. Okay. Well, well, Josh, is there anything you want to plug or, or leave us with before we before we sign off here? Uh, no, you know, I mean, I like I said, man, I always enjoy chatting with you guys about movies. It's always a fun time. I'm looking forward to our next one, and uh, yeah, I'm always uh, always happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. No, it's a pleasure. The pleasure is ours. So, well, yeah, thank absolutely. thank cool. you, and thank you everyone at home for listening. This has been Head Cannon. Yeah! Oh,